Hello and welcome back to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. In this episode, we dive back into the podcast with a simple catch-up with Ryan and our friend Ross. We chat about the latest updates to our fleets and other automotive transactions since we've been offline. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hello and welcome, everybody. Um, it's good to be back here with the Autoholic. Uh, I'm joined by Ryan and our friend Ross. We're here to just catch up on what's been going on since we've been offline. We've got some new cars in the fleets and uh, we need to catch up and hear about what it's like living with them. Um, so Ryan, why don't we start with you? You've picked up something in the last few months and also sold a few cars. You've kind of downsized and focused your fleet. Um, what, what do you have and what did you get rid of? So I, uh, nice to see you boys again. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I got rid of my D2 S8 and my E65 series. Um, frankly, I was happy to get rid of the S8, which is a little shocking to say. Mm, yeah. As beautiful as it was to look at, less, less, uh, less fun to live with. You know, it just didn't, didn't give me everything that I needed. It wasn't like as charming as say an old Benz, like an S class was for sure. No way. It missed that charm somehow. That was interesting, right? It was really competent, but it didn't have that. Um, and the five series, I was a little sad to get rid of because that car to have one of the, to have like a brand new E 65 series with a naturally aspirated six cylinder. Like that might be the perfect daily driving car. Right. And it was a manual. Right. Yeah. Right. It was manual and rear wheel drive. It was like, if it wasn't old and that it needed everything redone, you know, and you could have like car play in that, that's exactly what I would want as a daily car. It was, it was excellent. Yeah, the old iDrive system and that has not aged too well. No, no, I, I did love the, the wheel though. I mean, the wheel concept works really well and it fell nicely yeah. to hand and everything, but you know, and it's still how... used today, that whole wheel concept of kind of going through menus. So they were onto something back then for sure. App way ahead of the time, uh, you know, just in that one, there's like no useful functionality. <laughs> the only thing I did really like was scrolling through the radio stations. I don't know if you guys remember how it works. It puts up like a tuning bar and you can just scroll through the bar back and forth. And I thought that was like the best way to scan radio stations. Yeah. Very like modern retro, um, you know, take on it. Yeah, it was great. So you, you let me drive that once and, uh, it was phenomenal. Just, I mean, you know how I am about BMWs. The engines are the best. Uh, I will say, like, some of the ergonomics in that car felt really awkward. Like, the seating position was a little strange. I'm sure we could dial it in. It wasn't, like, an easy car to get into and drive. Um, no. You know, the window switches really throw you off. <laughs> really? Yeah, they're at, like, a weird angle. It's, it's a strange car, but... <laughs> I, I think that the seating, I totally agree about the seating position. It was a car that, yeah. you know, if I forgot to save my memory on and someone else drove it, I was like furious with them afterwards because <laughs> it takes forever to dial in. But I got really dialed in with it. And once you did, those big multi-contour seats were awesome to like sink into and, and you know, just settle in for a long cruise. And I, I, did, I even love the detentless blinkers. The BMW detentless blinkers, you know, I came to love those. Did that car have a tan interior too, right? It had the perfect interior. It had the, you know, cognac or uh, butterscotch or I don't know what, what were caramel type interior. Battle breath. Oh, I'll go with that. That's a lot more attractive than any of the words that I use. <laughs> <laughs> Caramel's like, yeah, very nice. But and it was over white. It was a, a beautiful combo. Uh, and it was just a gorgeous, you know, car that was, and was it one owner, uh, when we kind of picked it up or was it interesting background? It was a, so it had one owner for two years and the guy who picked it up, um, uh, secondhand certified pre-owned from BMW was a, uh, Dutch guy like Christian van Hemelrick or something. And, uh, you know, he, he was super Dutch and, and like wanted, always wanted a stick shift car. You know, he told me about his dad driving stick shift beamers back in, back in Europe. And so, uh, he took care of it. You know, he, he, uh, he lived in, um, in Narragansett and, uh, it was a cool guy. He replaced it with a new GTI, which, uh, you know, I could understand. 
understand why. But so I got rid of those two, and I also sold a Volvo 740 and a <laughs> Saab 95. <laughs> yes, and you sold to me technically. Right. Me and my uh, brother. I haven't I haven't yet received any uh, payment for the vehicles, which is you will get that. making air quotes when I mentioned it sold. <laughs> But it, it was it was a big deal to clear all those cars out, right? So it's four cars out of my garage, my barn, which was getting like overfilled. You had to move a few cars to get anything out, right? And, uh, so it was nice to to clear everything out, and I and I took the cash that I made off of the uh, Audi and the BMW and put ten grand on top and got myself a brand new Camaro LT1. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a very strange and odd. Uh surprising uh purchase uh from you um oh. you know very german focused on your car history you know you've had jettas pretty much most of your life uh adult driving life um after your jdm phase but uh tell us why you wanted to get the camaro and what other cars you considered well it's interesting actually if you think about the uh the five series and the s8 the Camaro is actually something of, of like a, a combination of what I wanted them both to be. You combine so, the two cars into one, you're saying? Well, no, but I mean, like, as you think about those two cars that I came out of my quote unquote daily drivers, right? Uh, I, I didn't like the S8 because it, was, it, it wasn't a manual. I loved that it was a V8. You know, first V8, I said, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, the, the power, the... The sound, you know, it revs out, but it's all torquey. I, I was in love with that. But I, I wanted a car that was a stick, and I also wanted something that was comfortable and, like, cushy, like the 5 Series was. And so I considered a bunch of cars, and, you know, frankly, I decided that I wasn't going to have anything but something new because I didn't want any BS. And so, or, or like, certified pre-owned, you know, pretty well, much. Well, you were really interested, and, I mean, we took it on that huge road trip when you came out here in that M2. I feel like that's where you were headed. You kept talking about the Camaro, though, that whole trip, even though you had never even driven one. Well, I, I really, I, I spent a long time thinking about this because it took a while to sell the S8. Uh, and I, you know, I actually, interestingly enough, I sold the BMW. I don't know if I told you guys this in one day. I took pictures, yeah. I took like eight pictures, put it on Craigslist, sold the next day for like $500 less than what I was asking. Uh, to a super cool old guy from the Cape, he was he was so excited about his BMW. You should have seen him like revving it out and you know going through the gears. He was kind of stiff and old, but he was having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the the interesting thing was, I looked at I looked at muscle cars. I looked at you know like legitimate sports cars like Porsches. <clears throat> I considered, you know, regular BMWs, just like a regular three series with a stick or a four series with a stick. Um, four series, uh, you know, if unless you're like really short, uh, I don't know how you could drive that car. Like it's it's one of the most cramped interiors I've ever felt because of this, you know, the roof line. And and I and it didn't feel special at all. You know, it, I decided that the the modern BMW non M products, it's like a it's unbelievable how far off they are from the M cars. They're like totally different worlds. Um, I, I drove a, a few Mustangs. I thought maybe those would be good. I tried the Dodge Challenger. The Mustangs felt super cheap. It was like, mm. you know, not nice at all. The Challenger felt nice and comfy, but it didn't feel like it was set up for driving. Like the steering wheel is yeah. really far away. It's tiny and it's huge. You know, those seats though are incredible. Awesome. No, absolutely. I love the design. I think it's, I think it's really cushy and everything. And I thought it could be good from that perspective, but it, it was like not at all engaging. It just felt, it felt agricultural. Um, but I, I definitely liked it more than the Mustang, interestingly enough. Interesting adjective, agricultural. Yeah. Like driving a tractor is what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that's a common, a common word in the biz, Stephen. Well, I'm not in the biz, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, what else did I look at? Oh, well, so, so you know, as Ross said, we, we, we took, you know, I was really thinking about an M2 after I decided the non-M BMW cars didn't make sense. And, and I was thinking that American muscle cars weren't going to work. 
and you know so we we drove this m2 in california we had an awesome road trip we drove up from uh from santa cruz all the way to the sea ranch you know up highway one it was amazing and uh the car m2 wow i mean stunning to look at interior you, you could actually fit four humans on a road trip i mean you know frankly i'm sure you guys would have preferred to be in the front seats than the back seats right? <laughs> but certainly it was and i'm like, sure if i was there i would be in the back seat of the shortest of the three of us <laughs> yeah no i i mean it 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 wasn't like the most comfortable but i mean you could really go with four that bad. right yeah it was i mean way bigger than a 911 for example right and and the 2 series i love it, it has like such a bubble roof you feel it feels voluminous inside um the, the weird thing was uh, it was really awesome and everything but two two things about it didn't uh, didn't sort of uh, tickle my fancy. The the sound, there was something wrong with the sound. Like it 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 sounded like like grinding noises in the engine. You know. Yeah, you were freaking out about that the whole time. Yeah, it was. It, you know, you you have this car, and I mean, when you heard the exhaust burbles and everything, it was great. But it was like it sounded pained. And uh, the other thing is, I I just didn't connect with the steering at all. I don't know how you felt about that when you drove it, Ross. I thought it was fine. I mean, I thought it was pretty good by modern BMW standards. But the only, I really haven't driven many modern BMWs except for like F30s, which I think are atrocious. Atrocious. I hate those cars. Um, so I thought it was much better than that. My big issue with it, I think, as a daily driver, is the suspension was pretty brutal. Yeah, it was. It was very firm. And we took it on some are bad, but it was it was quite yeah. firm. Yeah, very firm. And it felt it just felt a little big and unwieldy. Uh when I drove at that time, on some of those roads it felt great. They're wide open, smooth. And it's just for my for my driving, maybe where you are it would be fine, but on some of these like narrower, rougher mountain passes you get in California, it feels like you're driving a Hummer. It, it did. It felt like a this, lot of car. Your, for example, your Jetta felt more at home on a lot of those roads. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even my Miata doesn't feel at home on some of these roads. <laughs> right. right. Big like suspension need, uh, travel makes a difference. Yeah. You want big suspension travel and that car on rougher roads was, was not enough. And I get it. It's a sports car, but it's, it's not like, well, it's not really a sports car, right? It's a sporty compact luxury. luxury mix it's not like you're yeah, it's trying to be too many things in a way it's trying to be too many things although i will say overall i was in love with it and it was hot it was in that right. reddish orange like that <laughs> you're staring orange at time. yeah a great color and i you know i'm glad you finished up like that because i was going to say with all of the cons that we mentioned i would definitely still own one of those n2 comps uh it because it is a really cool package and it's a unique car and it's one of the cars that you will always turn around to look at but i you know sixty seven thousand dollars uh is what you're going to pay for a used one you know 60 70 essentially that much and so i said man i said you know what it, uh, maybe i'll have to plunk down the cash but i better go home and drive a camaro and see if i like it because i could get one for 37 grand so i <laughs> went there was one right in the dealership right near me I drove it. The guy let me take it for a long test drive. And I said, this is the car. Like it was, it, it was immediately apparent to me that, you know, and that wasn't even a, a top of the line model, right? No. So I bought, I, what I purchased, uh, this is a, it's called the Camaro LT one. Um, and so it's sort of like the Copo Camaro from the old days or the, like the LX Mustang five Oh, where it, it is, it's like the body. Well, they don't change the body, but the front fascia, and and like no additional uh, cladding or spoilers, like in the V6 or four cylinder models, mm -hmm. but it's got the big six two liter V8 and all of the suspension from the SS Camaro and the transmission and everything, right? So this was this was that model, and uh, I was ready to buy the one right there. Then I I was just gonna I was gonna trade in the five series. He was gonna give me like three grand on a good thing I sold it to the gentleman yeah. in Cape Cod. <laughs> <laughs> and um and uh and he he wouldn't make a deal he wanted like six thousand dollar over sticker and i said look that's a niche car. excuse me it's a niche car like it's not like an ss it, it, well 
I don't know that it's actually a niche car because I think it is, it's an SS essentially. It's just a cheaper SS, really. I mean, you know, because uh, it has all the features of the one SS, except one big thing I'll, I'll get to a little later. I'll tell you guys later, but the, the brakes, it does not have the SS brakes. <laughs> yeah, but I see what you're saying, Ross, with how it's a little bit niche because probably most people want that SS name, you know, on their car. And so they're willing to pay the extra money to to have that and to have a sleeper car that doesn't quite have that designation on it uh, might not be as popular or as easy to sell off the lot. Yeah, especially with a manual. You're right. It's, I'm not thinking of the crowd correctly. This is they're marketed <laughs> to a different crowd. So those for those who are you know, do the research enough to know that it's essentially nearly an SS for cheaper money. It's a clear you know, winner idea, especially if you don't care for the body cladding, if you don't care for the SS name and XYZ. Right, because I, I'm the antithesis of a of a muscle car driver. I'm wearing skinny jeans with a, a tucked in shirt and a turtleneck, you know, like uh, uh, there's business. not a lot of guys like me in, in those Camaros. So, <laughs> so, you know, it, so, so I was, I was a little bummed out about it and I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, this guy wants five, six grand of a sticker. What am I going to do? I'm not paying that. Right. Um, so I found, I, I called all around and I found the biggest Chevrolet dealer in the country. And, uh, he was able to order me one exactly like I wanted it at sticker, but I had to go to Detroit to pick it up. So it was perfect for an autoholic. Right. <laughs> what better adventure to have than to pick up a car somewhere, you know, at its right. own. Continue to pick up cars in the Midwest it seems to be a trend for you. It is. This one went significantly better than the ZHP though. And the uh, the D2 S8 was also in the Midwest, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, this went better than both of those. The D2 S, the HP, the 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 oil sense oil level sensor was bad, and it was shorting out and causing the car to turn off on the highway. And, the, <laughs> and on the D2 S8, when I went around corners, it would dump all of the condensation from the air conditioning system on my feet. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, older cars, you know, old cars. And so now you had a newer car, so you probably didn't have to deal with much of that. But, uh, yeah, what was it like? You know, a blizzard, right? <laughs> yeah, what was it like picking that up and uh, your sensations with the car? And how has it been since? Well, I will plug um, Moran Chevrolet in Detroit. It was by such a large margin the best buying experience I've ever had. You know, I, I, call, I the guy's texting with me. We make the whole deal over text messages. I show up, the car's there. I give them a check and I leave. It was it was unbelievable. There was zero <laughs> bullshit in the experience, which is the antithesis of every car experience we've all had in our lives, right? But, you know, I guess they sell so many cars, um, you know, big Chevrolet dealer that's been around for years in Detroit. They, they are, like I said, the biggest car, biggest Chevy dealer in the country. Um, so we, Karen and I flew it, we booked our flights like the next day, as soon as he told me the car was ready, it took six weeks of waiting, which was not so long, all things considered. Right. Yeah. But it would, let me tell you, the six weeks were painful. I was constantly <laughs> it, tech. There was a, there's a text message line for Chevrolet and I was texting them for updates, but, uh, you know, we, we flew there. We got the, they picked us up at the airport. Even they were really nice. Wow. Right. Yeah, that sounds very out of the ordinary for just a, a Chevy dealer, you know. He gave but me the reason all the biggest... American experience. He made me feel like why people liked American business and cars in the past. It was like America of old and in Detroit, which felt kind of like, you know, it felt appropriate. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you bought another Chevy, definitely would consider them again, <laughs> even though it's far away. Not even consider them. I would. I don't think I'd buy a Chevy from anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it was that good of an experience. And for me, wow. well, it's just, it's just fun to drive the car on back on the road trip. Like the funny thing is I suppose, you know, everyone in the office was like, why would you do that? You know, that's crazy. And I, and I'm like, I can't wait. It's like a vacation. I'm, oh, I'm so excited. 
<laughs> right. It's an excuse to go somewhere, have an adventure in a car. What more right. could you ask for? Not much. So, <laughs> but, but but we did get a little bit of shit luck. We we arrived and it just starts blizzarding when we arrived. So we we got in the car. You know, it's the car is like fantastic. It it sounds great. It smells like a new car. And and we're driving out of Detroit, and the snow starts really coming down. And then the highway comes to a complete stop. So, but on the first day, we got an hour out of the city, and I had to pull in and get a hotel. I was like, <laughs> I'm not just going to sit here, you know, on a on an 18 hour drive and just sit on the highway while everyone stopped. And, so and the car was, comes with summers or all seasons? One of the big reasons I chose the LT1 as well, I thought that it was very suited for my needs being a daily driver rather than, you know, a real in and in out and out performance car. It comes on all seasons with a square setup. So okay. it's on 245, like 40, 20s all around. What tires? Uh, Goodyear Eagle F1, I think. They're Goodyear Eagle something, I don't know. Um, and uh, truthfully, like, you know, once I broke it in, those the 245s are total bullshit for 455 <laughs> horsepower. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's like not a lot of grip, but uh, it was shockingly good in the snow. Like, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it, it was doing all right, you know? Yeah, right, for what it is. Correct. It has a snow mode, believe it or not. So I turned it <laughs> to snow mode. Ah, wow. <laughs> Fancy. Right. I'm American automotive engineer right there. <laughs> <laughs> But we uh, we drove back the rest of the way uh, the next day, and it was good that we had stopped because on the side of the road there were uh, there were maybe fifteen tractor trailers in the ditch. Wow! So it it had turned into like an ice storm, and everybody was out driving off the road, and so we were happy that we weren't out there that day, and uh, we had smooth sailing on the way back. And it was just it was brutal because you know I'm going through the break-in period of the car. And I have to drive like these thousand miles and I can't rip on it, you know? So it was, uh, <laughs> it was hard in a way, but good in another because then my break-in was done like that. Right. It's a good point, yeah. Would have been much worse if you're driving around rural Rhode Island back roads and break-in period. You would have been finding an excuse to, I don't know if you are every day, but if, you, if you're not, you would have been finding an excuse to go into the office every single day. <laughs> Well, I have been, and believe it or not, I already have 3,500 miles on my car. Wow. Which is a lot when you think about it. Considering that's split between my other cars as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good amount. So how has it been you know, with the car since you've gotten it back to Rhode Island where you live and, and living with it day to day and you know, any issues or you know, complaints you have on it? So... I I think that the this generation Camaro, you know, a, a couple of journalists have always spoken really highly about it. I want to thank Johnny Lieberman for always like being on the program of the sixth gen Camaro. He's always like the alpha platform. It's amazing. And I always sort of, you know, I've never been an American car guy, so I, I, I kind of doubted it. But he's right. It is. It handles the, the it is a phenomenal car, really. I mean, for for thirty seven thousand dollars, you know it, it doesn't have any like luxury features. Um, it's cloth seats. Uh, I do I do have a sunroof, which is it, oh, what's up? I didn't know it was cloth seats. Yeah, cloth seats, uh, which in a way I actually prefer. I don't know if you guys have seen like the leather that Ford and and GM use on their muscle cars, but it's not like really an attractive leather if you're used to European cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, in a way, I'm okay with that because the cloth seats are just kind of unremarkable, right? They don't draw any attention, but they are really comfy. You sit into them and they, it has the headrest that you can actually lean your head against, which I really appreciate. Um, it has wireless CarPlay and a, a Bose oh, stereo. So it's not like a complete stripper or anything. No, I, I even got the technology pack. So in the LT1, um, you can get an option that you can't get on the one SS. You have to upgrade to like the $50,000 two SS to get this bigger screen in the Bose sound system. 
Um, and they offer that in the LT1, I guess for guys like me, I don't know who else would take that box, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I only have, I had three options. I got the, uh, rubber floor mats, um, the, uh, which I love they have, they're actually pretty cool. They have like Camaro written on them and they're done with, it looks very sixties or something within, with like a white stripe down the middle of the floor mat, but it's, it's, it's pretty subtle, you know? Yeah. Um, nice. <clears throat> and it's got the sunroof and, and that tech pack, um, no, but it, I mean, it's phenomenal. As soon as I broke the car in, like, I couldn't believe what it what it was like. It's It's got all kinds of torque, screams to the seven grand red line. I mean, Karen and I did yeah. 149 the other day in Mexico. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, in right. Mexico, you can do it. It's all right. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, it's like nothing. Like, I, I'm convinced that it must be pretty close to a 200 mile per hour car. Yeah, wow. Did it feel stable at higher speeds of, you know, that, you know, that band? Well, that's, I think that's what's made me fall in love with this car so much. So not only does it handle extremely well, like this, it's probably, it's the best steering, not probably, it is the best steering I've ever had on a car. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it, Be better it, than the ND. Well, the ND might have great steering but my driving position is so compromised in comparison to the Camaro. I have the perfect driving position, amazing steering, you know, this, the, the pedals are, are great to work with. And the shifter is like, it's this, this Tremec six speed. It's just such a positive, you know, gear shift. It feels really fun to row through the gears and it, it has the auto rev match, which mm. my first car with, with auto blipping. And I have to say, I love it. <laughs> yeah. This comes Mr. Heel toting. Heel toeing son of a bitch, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> In your old age, you've gotten lazy. No, you know what it is? I, what I decided is, for me, it's all about having, like, perfect smoothness, right? So mm -hmm. I was all into heel toeing because I wanted to be able to control the car to have everything really smooth all the time. And if you just let the car auto blip and just dump the clutch... It do, it's not so smooth. So you have to do, you have to blip a little bit too, but it's just, it just helps you be really smooth with everything. Yeah. And especially on a daily driver, that must be a really, you know, nice feature to have. Exactly. And that, that's what I was going to say. What made me fall in love with the car is as a daily driver, you can, you know, do, I, I drive about a hundred miles a day to go to the office. Yeah. And um, it's, unbelievable in this car because in mexico i average approximately 100 miles an hour the whole way into the office <laughs> and and it's it's like rock solid so solid you don't even need to touch the steering wheel wow it's impressive it's amazing yeah. and it's but it's still this big heavy american car so even though it's got cloth seats or whatever you you ride down the road with this sense of old school American luxury, or maybe something that I've talked about with you guys in, in the past, like the trucks, right? How I yeah. said, I love that. It kind of brings that feel into a sports car. So it, it it's better than I could have ever expected from that uh, point of view. So the suspension isn't, you know, BMW M2 levels is stiff, but at the same time, it isn't like an old Cadillac. It's somewhere in between. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's way softer than the Miata, for example. Like that, you know, driving the Miata again tonight, I I was shocked at the difference. And that's saying something because the ND is like, I mean, it's not not a boat, but it's not not as racy and stiff as some people might imagine it to be. It's a pretty boaty car as far as you know, body roll goes. It handles right. bumps well. This might have it's better. Also small. <laughs> Right. This has better body control than the ND, probably, like not so much roll, but it must have, like, what I think when I look at it is it, it's actually kind of bulky, the vehicle, like from some angles, when I try to take pictures of it, it doesn't look that good because of how, like, big it is from top to bottom, right? And so what I think that means is that it has a lot of suspension travel in comparison to maybe your typical sports car. Yeah. So any issues or faults, you know, you have with the car and 
you know, uh, it sounds like something happened recently. I don't know if that has anything to do with what you mentioned before about there not being SS brakes uh, with all the other uh, SS improvements on the car. So what faults do you have with the car? So I, the, 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 first, the first thing I recognized as soon as I got to use the power is that the brakes, the brakes are a joke. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't, uh, it was my mistake. I didn't get the, the fanciest brakes you could get. There was an upgrade option and I was like, oh, why do I need them? You know, it's a daily driver, but the reality do, is- Do you remember how much uh, extra it was for the, the better brakes? You know, the unfortunate thing is I don't think it was so much. I bet it was like $800 <laughs> or something. It, it was such a cheap, stupid move on my part to not just pay up for the brakes. <laughs> So to anyone looking at the LT1, make sure you check the box on the brake upgrade. That was the definite thing that I missed. Because, um, you know, it, to, to drive this like on a twisty road like the Kank or something, I, I would totally cook the brakes. Right. The Kankamongus Highway in New Hampshire you're referring to. Yeah. Kankamongus, you mean? Kankamongus. Kankamongus. <laughs> Is it Mungus or Mangus? Mangus, man. Mangus, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. We'll so, call it the Kank. I don't blame the car for that. It's my fault. I was just a cheap bastard and didn't tick the box. Now, do you think just better pads would be able to alleviate it? Or do you have to altogether go to larger brakes uh, and larger calipers and everything? I would guess the latter. When you look at them in the wheels, the brakes are pretty small. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a big, heavy car, you know, so you need it. You need it. So, um, but the 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 other items I would say is, it is, it isn't a German car in terms of, uh, just, just the way everything's bolted together. So like there's a little piece of trim that goes around the gauge cluster the, uh, they sort of have this like, um, hood over the gauge cluster and there's a chrome piece that goes in there and I, and I have to like pull the chrome trim a little bit out and then push it in just the right way to avoid having any rattles. <laughs> <laughs> but i've, I've and you are historically it. known for rattles and and how you know uh anxious you are about all rattles in cars absolutely you say, you say it's not a german car but you're you like me grew up driving volkswagens so you, you know about rattles <laughs> no absolutely but i'm past my time of dealing with them and especially on yeah. a new car so that was a little bit bullshit have you brought it to the dealer? I'm not going to tell them about this. I've I've found I've found a solution for that. They're not going to fix it. You know how these kind of things go. Who has the energy for that? It's going to balloon into something bigger, and it's just not necessary. Yeah, but I do have um, two other more substantial issues with the car, and one one is like an issue that could make me uh, start to dislike the car, hmm. which is that there there's an issue with mine. <clears throat> I believe it's just my car. I think there's something defective, but I, I've done some research and it seems that others have this where it's really hard to start the car in first without getting a little bit of clutch chatter. Like you, mm. when you get to the engagement point of the clutch, you'll get like a, chuk -a, -chuk -a, -chuk -a -chuk, you know, kind of like yeah. a, a vibration, which you guys might have felt on old cars when the clutch is like going out. Um, yeah, my brother is feeling it in his Saab 900 right now. Right, that's typically when the clutch is toast, right? First, my and, first Jetta, my first car. Yeah, and it, it's it's so not a nice feeling, and and you know, I getting into Karen's Miata tonight, I realized how bad it is on mine. So I've complained about it a few times. They haven't had an answer. I'm bringing it in next week, and I'm just going to demand that they keep the car until they put in a new clutch. So that that's that's a major issue, and it seems that many people have faced it. And the the other is and it was uh, solved by replacing the clutch. Yeah, but the but the problem is Chevy doesn't want to open up the transmission. They'll do whatever they they'll say whatever they can to to keep from you know having to do that for you, right? And yeah. uh, the the other thing is the uh, there's a little bit of like there's ticking noise from fuel injectors. It's direct injected. And the fuel pump is really loud. Hmm. So when, when you're not like on the gas hard enough that you could hear the exhaust, you can in the cabin 
hear the fuel pump, which sits on the back of the engine, right in like the middle of the V, like clicking. And it's it, it's not a sophisticated sounding noise. <laughs> it, it sounds agricultural to use that <laughs> word again. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. That's very uh, unique, I think, uh, and something you would not think of, you know, when you do a test drive or be able to experience or know until you own the car and live with it, you know, day to day. Very nuanced. Are you, are you concerned about this or is it just something that you think is part of living with the car. Very well, American. <laughs> Steven, first of all, I think you're exactly right. That's what I was thinking to myself. I said, damn, you didn't pick this up on the test drive. Like, you know, <laughs> cause for a while it was really pissing me off. And then Ross, to your point, I took it into the dealer and I said, Hey, come out for a ride with me. I'll show you it, you know, check this out and write it in the service notes that I specifically have complained about this. And you evaluated it and blessed the car is fine. And, you know, once they said it was fine, I said, well, you know, it's a new car with a warranty. If it's fine for them, uh, it's not my problem, you know, and, and now I don't even hear it. But, it, you know, the other day, Karen and I are driving and she goes, what's that noise? And I'm like embarrassed, you know, like she's not a car person, like can hear it, you know? Yeah, so even the untrained ear can pick up on just... Uh on the on the noise and the notes and that it's not as put together as well put together as as maybe german cars are not the sewing machine of a bmw straight six that's for sure but, <laughs> hey at the end of the day just remember for the money yeah my favorite thirty seven thousand dollars for a 455 horsepower you know rocket ship uh and with an awesome manual transmission in 2022 you know, there's, I, I could ask for nothing more from GM. I'm, I'm, I love the car and, and I would buy it again. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that today you picked up your ND Miata and, and kind of parked the Camaro. What happened? What made you kind of stop driving the Camaro and, and swap over for the ND? Well, I neglected to mention one other issue at 3,500 miles, my check engine light came on. <laughs> 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 and I got a text from OnStar, which it has OnStar, which is nice. They text me saying, you have an emissions failure. Please take your car in for service within seven days. So a little bit of Googling um, says that these cars blow through O2 sensors and, uh, and you know, just the, the small blocks, uh, you know, the way they run, it's just... Uh, they're, they're less sophisticated, right? And so they probably just spit out a lot of stuff on the O2 sensors and blow through them. So I saw actually a lot of people had this problem right off the lot. Hmm. Aren't there, I, I haven't dug into it deep, but I do see online people complain about V8s in the trucks in the past couple of years having a lot of issues. Is it O2 sensors? I know it's like a lot of smaller stuff that these are burning through, which is interesting because you think of those like Chevy V8s being the most reliable, you know, big engines you can buy. It just sounds like there are a lot of little finicky issues. Well, I think that I this is trucks even more so because they have a more sophisticated engine with like a cylinder deactivation and things like this for more fuel economy and whatnot. And I, I believe all those systems have definitely made the V8s less um, sort of just stout and reliable as we've thought of them in the past. I mean, in the case of the Camaros, at the end of the day, it's a 455 horsepower engine. So, you know, and I'm getting 20 miles per gallon on average. Wow. And you That's guys can- you. You can imagine how I'm driving this thing. I mean, I told you, this is, I get 20 on the way back from, from the office in Mexico, when I was averaging a hundred miles an hour, I was doing 23. I mean, that's like, that's amazing. So if it, if it can do 455 horsepower and it can do that, okay. Like it's going to have some other stuff somewhere, you know, I mean, the, the big reason it gets good fuel economy, by the way. 90 or 100 miles an hour on the highway, you're like at 2,000, 2,200 right. RPM. <laughs> yeah, you're using barely any of the car. It's all like torque, you know, just pull, you hear about the, 
the Corvette guy is getting like 34 miles per gallon in the Corvette. It's insane. With the seventh gear, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, I could see it. So, uh, oh, but so I got this check engine light. And so uh, I've, and the, the big issue I've had in general with cars lately is you can't get anyone for service. It, the service is terrible. So I found a small Chevrolet dealer that's been great, but I have to drive an hour to get there. And all the Where other Chevrolet they? dealers around me suck. Where in Mexico are they? <laughs> They're in uh, the acute town, by the way, Wakefield. Really like Wakefield. Wake, I don't know if you guys Wakefield, know. Wakefield, Mass, Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode Island. I'm gonna say. <laughs> so it's uh, it's nice. Yeah. No, I I can't wait for you guys to come and check out the car. I think you'll I think you'll be pretty impressed for what you know the general has put together with this thing. Yeah, and I want to mention just for the listeners, because uh, when you think of Camaro, you think of you know. Bumblebee, you know, Transformers, bright yellow, loud car. Your spec is very under the radar, very subtle. It's gray, and it does have black wheels, right? No, they're like silver, silver wheels. Yeah. It's a very, you know, ordinary kind of almost sedan-like. Um, so very under the radar, very uh, sleeper-esque and, and not cliche Camaro driver kind of style. Which is airport rental sense for me, right? No, exactly. For a daily driver, that's exactly what you want. And yeah, Ross, like you know, uh, airport rental, just like that. Well, you mentioned the Miata and the ND, just to move on. Um, we've been talking about Miatas, Ross. You've been talking about buying a new car or another car to have in addition to your Jetta. Uh, which you've had for years, and we've been going back and forth about talking about what cars you should buy. We've talked about 986 Boxsters. We've talked about Japanese cars, you know, other Japanese cars other than Miatas, but Miatas have always been part of the conversation. Uh, You were looking at NDs yourself, but you didn't get an ND. What did you get? Uh, So I purchased a NB, which is funny because the NB was never on my radar. About 10, yeah, exactly 10 years ago, I purchased an NA. Uh, it was a different time. I picked, picked up a 100,000 mile uh, 96 Montego Blue uh, in great condition with a hard top for $3,500. Uh, it's something that's not really possible anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I decided to, to go with the MB. And, you know, when I years ago when I was flat broke and didn't have any any great cars out of college or anything. Although I I might have actually even had my GTI at this time. So I would take that back, my Mark VI. Uh, but I did stop uh, every day. I would commute home past Werner Mazda uh, on the intersection of I-93 and I-95 in Massachusetts. And I would drive by every day. And I, I want to say this is probably around 2016. So not long after the ND came out. I drove in there. They had a couple of them on the lot. The place was a ghost town. I walked up to the guy. I'm like, hey, could we take one of the Mazas, the Miatas out? He just was like, of course we can. Like, let's go. He didn't ask me anything if I'm interested in buying the car. He knew I was some 24-year-old schmuck that had no interest <laughs> in buying the car. He's like, let's just go for a drive. He's bored. So we go out and we go on these back roads and take it for a rip. And it was, I remember from the moment I sat in that ND, uh, and just felt that shifter as I turned on the car that I needed to get another Miata. Uh, a year or two later, Andrew and I took one out of the dealership, went for a huge rip in it. Me as a passenger, remembered how much I loved it. Hadn't been in one for a long time. Uh, I had been considering cars for a while, as we talked about. I'm sure, you know, Ryan was encouraging. I'm sure Stephen knowing you, you were like, wanted to strangle me at some points about buying a second car, but it just didn't have the life life situation living in an ADU in some guy's backyard in San Jose. Uh, you I, mean you lived in, in his garden shed? Yeah, I lived in this, I lived in this pool house. Uh, and, uh, it just didn't make sense. And I didn't have the money necessarily, but you know, Ryan, when I actually visited you in Mexico, I mean, Rhode Island, wherever that was, no, when, when when we went went down to Mexico and, and Ryan had that ND that he was speaking of, um, 
we drove it all the way from Monterey up to the uh, Texas border with the top up, uh, trying to hide in in between the uh, the machine gun there trucks that you see in in rural Mexico to make sure the cartels don't get you. Uh, once we got over the border and the the car was torn apart, uh, at the border patrol who found Ryan's uh, lost wedding wedding ring in the trunk. Uh, Ryan threw me the keys and it was great. And just even on those Texas roads, uh, Texas highways, which south of San Antonio are pretty lovely, by the way, like country music on rural Texas. It doesn't matter what car you're driving. It's the best. Uh, the Ross and I listened to a specific artist for the entirety yeah. of this trip. We listened to uh, live on Red Barn Radio by Tyler Childers about 100,000 times. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> but, but just getting behind the wheel of that, and that was the first time I drove an ND2, I just realized, I'm like, I need to own a Miata. Uh, so, you know, the past year, I met Kelly, uh, who was such a great enabler in my life. Uh, and was always encouraging me, like, if you want to get a Miata or whatever you want, Boxster, etc., get one. Uh, so eventually I decided, you know, we're in the crazy world we are now. Uh, cars, Carvana will give you 10 times what you paid for your car and a kiss on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> my, my 2019 Jetta that I paid the insanely low price new of $15,700 for, I was getting offers of like, 17k 19k i got and i should have taken this one but i at one point a couple days before christmas 2021 they offered me 23k so i'm like sitting there thinking i need to buy a new nd i see them for sale hank yeah. i just like to stop you for one second you paid fifteen thousand seven hundred dollars for your car and you were offered twenty three thousand dollars for it yeah after owning it for you know what like a year year and a half something like yeah, that. a year and a half it didn't have many miles on it because the car sat for six months but so yeah. that's i mean that's that's outrageous <laughs> that number is is totally yeah. outrageous i just can't believe i can't believe you didn't take it by the yeah. way <laughs> it's not the topic of this but <laughs> and whether or not you got an nd like you could have gotten so much more other cars your I options gotten... would have opened up a lot more but the thing is, that car is so good at what it is. I get 50 miles per gallon on the way home from work. Not on the way to work. <laughs> the jet ears. I, I climb up half of a mountain pass, so, you know, I get 30 on the way there. But that's still great. Gas is about, you know, some gas stations I've seen here are 659 for a regular. Wow. Oh, wait, are you serious? 659? Yeah, the cheapest gas I can find. Here is five forty nine. I just paid four eighty nine for premium. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to California. I've seen uh, into the sevens for premium at some of the more expensive neighborhoods, like further down the coast a little bit. It's insane. Uh, the car is so comfortable. It's quick enough. I mean, you had it, Ryan. You know how it is. It's it's great. Right. It's, it's true for the money. It, it's it's the best car. Like it's, it's you know, been I, was, I was saying to Karen, if we if we get a place in Mexico, I could almost see buying another one of those. And in Mexico, oh. you can buy them for thirteen thousand. And this is a, a Mark Seven Jetta. Mark right? Seven. Mark yeah. Seven Jetta S, the base one, and uh, it has a one point four turbo, but it's like great. I, and th by the way, they do an honest to goodness one hundred and forty miles an hour. I believe in, it. Me in Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, we talked about it. The US one has a limiter. Ross and I were discussing oh. that. <laughs> so the I car, the... I don't know if I've gotten that fast. <laughs> well, the, the the Jetta is too good of a car to to give up. That's what it is. But I probably still should have done it. I should have gotten a. I mean, I wanted to get an ND. I was trying. I was attempting. Yeah. You couldn't find them at this time because it was like late in the 22 model year. So if you did find one of the basically two in California, they wanted to add a seven grand markup on the things. Damn. And then it was basically a wait till the 23s, unfortunately. So that well, I think happen. you made the responsible choice. Yeah. So my the, the, the idea started to come up in my head. I'm like, maybe I'll just keep the Jetta and get a Miata. 
now that I had moved to Santa Cruz, had some more space, like an NA and MB. I was really in interested in NC, but they're they're so hard to find out here. Um, I had a few NCs slip through my fingers, uh, but NBs were always kind of actually at the bottom of my list, just because I love NAs. Everyone loves NAs. They have so much charm. They're probably actually the worst of the Miatas from a day-to-day -day perspective, driving the car, but there's just something about them, right? Like they're so, they're so fun. Um, but it's I drove design. this and they're just, the design is fun. I mean, it, yeah. it really was perfect. Every time you see him driving around, you just can't help but smile. But so I drove a, I drove an MB that I found. Uh, it was in the same town as my office. I'm like, I'll just shoot off an email. It was more than I wanted to spend for a car of that condition. Uh, but literally the woman asked if I could be right next door to my office. Like I just walked over to where she was. I took this thing out. It was in kind of roughish shape, but okay. Um, hundred thousand miles or something, uh, had a, had a really beefy roll bar. Um, I don't know if the maintenance was as great as it should have been, but I took it out for a drive and was just in love. And I remembered how fun they are. Obviously they're, they're a lot different than ND. Uh, but I realized, okay, I could, I could own an MB too. Like, I think it was an MB2. The one I bought was an MB1. But, uh, you know, it's just better than an NA from a driving perspective. Uh, so a few weeks passed. I try and arrange some other ones. There were some NAs and MBs I talked to people on. But you know how dealing with Craigslist people are. They're, they're so flaky. Uh, I finally meet this one guy. Uh, and, and we start talking. He's answering my questions like a literate adult, he actually can, can spell. He, he responds to the questions in detail. It's great. Uh, he has someone coming to look at the car. Uh, one of the nights, the guy doesn't buy it. We meet up the next day. He shows up in two cars, uh, him driving the, the Miata, his buddy driving this, his, uh, Porsche. <laughs> so he has a nine, nine, six. And, uh, you know, we start talking. He's a, he's a, a great dude. He owns a sweet bagged like show car E30. So does his buddy, the two of them showed me all these photos. Uh, he had another like track prepped Miata, uh, that he had for a long time for years and a tree fell on it when he was on vacation. So he bought the current one with the idea of making it kind of like on a drive in the street for a while. And he had it for about a year and like eventually turned into a track car, but then wife popped out a baby. Uh, they decided they needed to get a family car. Uh, they bought the 996 because he found out that you could fit a baby seat in it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're practical cars. Yeah, they're practical cars, as you know, Stephen. Uh, right. So I checked it out. And, you know, I just think it, it was the one. Uh, Kelly was so approving. It was her first time in a Miata. We went for a test drive, took it up old Santa Cruz highway and drove around Los Gatos and had a great time. Uh, I'll be honest, the car is not perfect. The body's like extremely straight, like no structural issues, but you know, it's occasional scratch, uh, some small dings, uh, nothing too bad that can't be fixed. Uh, I'm not too concerned about it. You know, California cars, so there's not a speck of rust, but mechanically this car is ridiculously clean. Like everything under that hood is spotless. No oil leaks, um, like all the coolant hoses in the radiator and the uh, reservoir tank are all like crisp, brand new, which is a big thing on those uh, NAs and MBs. They just eat through cooling, cooling stuff. And I just like, I'm asking him questions about it. And I'm just like, yeah. And I like start to point the coolant hose and he's just like, Oh, I check those every day. I'm terrified of it, but it's like, oh, he knows. Like, <laughs> he knows how big of an issue those are. He definitely seemed like a, a trustworthy guy. How old would you say he was? Like, probably about my age, like okay. 30, maybe early to mid 30s. Um, so, I mean, car's great. It's uh, brand new tires. There's like some Coopers that are actually pretty nice. I was sort of surprised that, that like, why did he buy those Coopers? That was not a tire that I would think of. No, but they, they, they grip for days. 
I've only Any lost traction once. 14-inch tire selection is lacking, right? That's what it is. Because yeah, it's probably uh, a small market for those types of that size of tire. Yeah. He told me when he bought the car, it had some ugly wheels on it. Um, so he, being an E30 guy, had these 14-inch AC schnitzers, uh, which I think are probably, since they're 14-inch, were meant for a 2002 but he threw them on the car with brand new tires. I, I have them on there now. They look great. I think I'm going to look the business. Yeah, they, <laughs> they look, look really cool. cool. <laughs> um, it has brand new coilovers. Um, I what can't coilovers? You know, I let me look it up. Let me check my text. I actually forget. Off the and how many miles are on the car? 98, well, 99 now. I just broke 99. They're Godspeed Mono SS coils. Never heard They're, of them. Uh, are a little stiff. I feel like I'm 20 years old again. <laughs> uh, but the way, you know, Miatas usually have a lot of body roll. Oh my God, this car is zero. It is insane. Like, I've never driven a better handling car in my life. It's shocking. Um, some of the roads, it's a little scary. <laughs> but on the smooth ones, uh, the Highway 9s in, in Mexico, uh, you can drive this thing, you know, way faster than you guys have probably ever seen me drive a car. And it's just so confidence inspiring. Uh, the top is brand new. The interior is in like phenomenal shape. The steering wheel could like use a little conditioning. I need to get on that, but it's overall in good shape. It's the original Nardi wheel. Uh, the, the throttle responses, I forgot how good these cars have. A naturally it's, aspirated engine after having a 1.4 liter I, turbo. With I haven't owned stops. a naturally aspirated car for like seven years. It's since no, since like before I met you guys, I think. Other than that Saturn, we don't talk about for four months. <laughs> um, I've had nothing but turbocharged Volkswagens for the last like nine years, and getting into a naturally aspirated car is just incredible. It screams. Uh, the exhaust sounds so good, and I'm pretty sure it's just stock. Uh, the shifter, you know, I love, I love the ND shifter. I think that's one of my favorite shifters in the world. This is very different. The ND has a longer throw, but it feels so smooth, so raw. The the NA ND shifter is just kind of like the shortest little thing in the world. Uh, it's a pistol grip type shifter, as Stephen would call it. Um, <laughs> but like, I, you just I'd like to tell you something, Ross. I'm very interested for you to drive my Camaro and then drive the ND. I think the Camaro has the best shifter I've ever used. Really? I'm so excited to drive it. It sounds it, perfect. It made me. the ND feel like a, uh, like a, to like a toy, toy stick, like a joystick kind of thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I'm just very excited, like getting out there and actually having a fun car to drive. Uh, yeah. It sounds like fun. you found a pretty great car, especially, you know, for you and for how long you've been simmering on it, you've done your research, you've been patient, more patient than Ryan and I have been with you, but, uh, <laughs> and you got rewarded for it, you know? The thing is, it's just, you'd think California would be such a great place to buy, like a used car. It's, you know, they're usually in, in something's clean, it's very clean, but there's such a big car scene out here the half the cars out here are obliterated because mm. people buy them and mod them. So there's not much that comes up for sale. It's it so sounds hard. like the mods on this one are, are pretty tasteful. You know, yeah, they're they're very, through. yeah, it's really just the, the coils and the wheels, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't planning on going for coils, but I think I'm happy that they're there. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you have the cushy Jetta, you know, if you want to do kind of more daily driving and yeah. you know you're going to be on bumpy roads and, and don't want to deal with that. And then now you have the Miata to take out when you want to go for a spirited drive and it'll handle that much better with those coilovers. Exactly. Uh, and Says the guy maybe... who drives a 996 on coils. So right. <laughs> so I have a cushy W123 on <laughs> stock suspension that I cruise around in and then I have my stiff ass 996 uh, yeah. when I want to go flat through corners. It's kind well, of the same, Stephen. We're, we're just so excited for you, Ross. It's been a long time coming for you right. to get a second car. So congratulations, <laughs> man. Well, thank you. Yeah, you, des about you deserve like it for sure. Years since I've had something fun. Uh, 
and I'm just, yeah, I'm very happy with it. Like probably going to be do not really modify it much. Uh, I think it makes total sense living in somewhere where it's 65 degrees, 365 days of the year to have a little roadster. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a good two car solution for that area. Yeah. Hopefully it holds up. We'll see. Uh, it's very raw. It feels like a death trap. It really does. They do. Miatas feel like a death trap after you get out of any other car. That's yeah. exactly what I thought today when I drove it. Yeah. I, you know, commuting over even to work, just like you realize the vulnerability, especially in the early ones. If anyone is not paying attention and hits you in a big SUV, it's like, you're toast. It's over. Uh, but it's worth the risk. I think it's worth the risk. You know, wouldn't be a good way. cars if it weren't. Right. Exactly. So I have cars with no airbags. Who needs this? Hopefully I don't. Well, based on the whole Takata thing, you might be safer without an airbag. Right. True. Yeah. I just want to bring up a fact. Like I have actually, the only Miata I've ever driven was the ND. And it was the ND that we rented in uh, San Francisco, Ryan. Um, so I really wish I could contribute to this conversation more about the sensations of driving the different generations of Miatas, but I, I really can't. And as a car person, that's sad. I almost feel like I'm not a true car person because I haven't had that experience. But I, you know, Steven, I think that you totally got the Miata experience. Just I got the essence of it for sure. And, and back to that drive. I mean, that was like a, that was a oh, drive of a lifetime. We had, you know, beach to ourselves and, and we were attacking the road, you know, sliding this Miata around, you know, that was, that was the essence of it, which if I could say one thing about what Miatas are and why they're so beautiful in like the modern landscape of high powered cars is that you could, you can push them to the limit mm. in a, in a space that's not totally crazy because the, the 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 limits are low and the power is low enough that you yeah. can get there and have all the fun without you know the speed that's required you know in my camaro for example i almost have to go too fast to to you know push it to the limit right yeah absolutely which is what i'm finding in this car like i'll drive it on some of the roads around here you know how they are <laughs> they're so narrow and twisty and and just you don't have to push a car hard to have fun there. But in this car, you know, you're doing 45 on some of these corners. You feel like you're driving an F1 car. It's <laughs> last. Um, and on some of the faster roads, you know, doing 70, 75 feels insanely fast because you're so low to the ground. Uh, the sounds are so visceral. Um, but, you know, Kelly, someone who's never even owned a car in her life, you know, not a car person, although they're growing on her. Ride shotgun that thing. Me driving, you know, stupidly, just having the time of her life. Loves it. Every time we get in that car, she loves it. <laughs> now I need to get a wind blocker, I will say. <laughs> it's a little painful. <laughs> you do you do need that. It, yeah. it makes all the difference in the world. The N D has one stock, right? You need you need a convertible now. You do. I will say after driving uh, the Miata tonight, you, Stephen, yeah, yeah, you, you need a convertible. <laughs> He's pointing to himself. <laughs> no, it's, it, you know, it's, uh, it is a really like special feeling, you know, now that you're, you're, you know, living your full artistic and creative life, <laughs> I think you would be very inspired by the convertible experience. I was driving tonight and I was like looking up at the stars and I was thinking to myself that I hadn't looked at the stars in a while. Mm, no. Nope. I mean, I agree, I, you know, all the experiences I've had in convertibles have been very pleasant and, and, and very enjoyable. You know, my dad has started buying, you know, a series of convertibles since his, you know, in his older age, wants to experience that because it is a treat and it's a good thing to have in the fleet. So I, I agree with that. I just don't know if while living in New York City, whether uh, having a convertible is, is the place, uh, New York is the place to have that. I don't know if so I agree with that. You don't I think, know. <laughs> I think the cool thing, well, well, there's two options you can go here. Mm -hmm. First, which we won't talk about for long, is the obvious option of you also need of me also what? Say that again. Needing a Miata um, to go get a, a computer charger. We talked about um, it after our drive in California, by the way, Stephen. 
Yeah, I mean, the ND was very nice. And like you've mentioned, it's it's definitely not a, a highway car. And, and we've talked in the past about when I was living in Brooklyn, I was, and before I had the 996, I was considering other kind of smaller cars to get um, that would be easier to park. And, and always kind of top on my list was a Fiat 500 Abarth C, you know, the convertible yeah. version, of the best of all worlds, but especially for parking in New York City. But I was considering a box there. I looked at several 986s um, before I was able to take over my dad's 996 and bring it back to life. But um, yeah, and the Miata was also another great choice. But as you mentioned um, before, it's it's not great for long highway drives. And, and for me, going back and forth between Connecticut and New York, I don't think the Miata and, and obviously a Fiat 500 at Barth would probably be worse than a Miata for those drives back and forth um, with the Boxster being, you know, probably the best option of those three. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just probably not my go-to, but, you know, I don't know whether I'd choose a, an ND over uh, in a Barth um, for the city. If this I, if I were to. 500 SL kind of man at this particular point. Oh. <laughs> my other, my <laughs> other option and, and really, Ryan, you're right, but I was going to say something a little more cheeky is, Stephen, I think you have to do something that Ryan and I deep down dream of so we can live vicariously. And you have to get something stupid like a 70s Cadillac convertible, like an Eldorado. Ross, I'm going to buy a, a muscle car convertible maybe this summer. I, I've, been think, I've been thinking about it day in, day out. I, like, I want to roll six people deep around Newport. It's, it's the dream. It's the dream. It's the best thing. You're going to have more fun if you have the right crowd in that car than any other car in the world. <laughs> well, you can keep us posted on that, Ryan. That's interesting to hear. And it's definitely the first time I've heard you mention that. So that will be cool to see if indeed you do have two muscle cars in your fleet. That'll definitely be a first. But congrats to both of you on your car purchases. And uh, we'll see for me what's in store if there's any future cars. And But I'm glad I can live vicariously through your purchases, you being in the right places to, to buy these cars, own them, and, you know, build your fleets. I'm comfortable with my two-car solution right now. <laughs> you have a very good one. of your two, which lives with me. <laughs> Currently, yes, being stored. Right. Yeah. I do miss it dearly, my W123. No, yeah. well, thanks, Stephen. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could catch up, guys. Yes, glad to get back on the Autoholic and, and talk about our obsession, what we've been talking about offline for the past few months. And uh, we'll be back, hopefully, talking to some other Autoholics around our areas and, and hear their car stories and uh, see what interesting tales they have to tell. But uh, I'm sure we'll be back again talking very soon. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to Autoholics Anonymous by The Autoholic. Tune into future episodes and follow our adventures at www.the-autoholic.com or on Instagram at the.autoholic and Twitter at The Autoholic. Straight through. Stay safe, but don't forget to drive fast and take chances. Thanks. Music by Stephen Diamond.